What's up everyone? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening and good night. Wherever you are in the world, welcome back to the Lost in Living podcast. Where we talk about mental health in its many forms, ways to potentially deal with it and the struggles people might have in a bid to potentially put light on the darker topics and help people feel less alone. We also talk about what lost in living is to me, and that's really just enjoying every day to its fullest. So I'll talk story between each episode about things I've been doing in the last two weeks while getting lost in living. Now before we kick on, I will say that everything I talk about is basically based on my own experiences and my own opinions. I don't represent anyone except for myself. Now with all that out of the way, Welcome to the next episode of the Lost in Living podcast. On today's episode, I wanted to dive into the art of dreaming. It's a concept that I find inherently beautiful and captivating, yet one that is often accompanied with negative connotations and unwarranted criticism. See, dreams serve as a magical realm where our aspirations and goals can manifest into reality. Unfortunately, in the harsh realm of reality... Our ability to dream is often stifled by societal norms and expectations that discourage us from embracing our dreams. However, it is essential to recognize that every great achievement starts with a dream. That's why today's guest is so amazing. They had a dream, one that was initially met with fear and criticism, but a dream nonetheless. They took the courageous leap to pursue it. I want to emphasize the significance of chasing dreams and showcase that it's a remarkable endeavor even if the outcomes don't always align with our expectations the journey itself is invaluable as it offers profound lessons and personal growth personally i am myself a dreamer constantly allowing my mind to wander to extraordinary places whether it's exploring different corners of the globe envisioning alternative lives or even or even venturing into the realm of otherworldly planets and space exploration. <laughs> However, like many of you, I've faced a negative criticism associated with being a dreamer, as if it were a flaw. But why should that be the case? Together, let's change the social tool narrative that diminishes the significance of dreaming. Let's embrace the power of our dreams and acknowledge their transformative potential. Dreams fuel our passions, ignite our creativity, and propel us towards uncharted territories. They inspire us to break free from limitations and seek fulfillment on our own terms. So join me as we embark on this exploration of our dreams, debunking the misconceptions and celebrating the remarkable individuals who have dared to dream. Together, we will cultivate a community where dreaming is cherished, encouraged, and celebrated as a driving force behind our pursuit to a fulfilling life. Dreamers often encounter the most common response of being told, get real, or be realistic. But why should we let these negative responses limit us before we even begin? After all, everything starts as a dream. Your life should be a dream. Like, where's the fun or where's the imagination in just being real? And what's not real about dreaming? These comments often come from people close to us, and it may not be their intention to crush our dreams. You know, they might be just trying to protect us. They only know a path they have followed. The pre-planned conveyor belt of life dictated by society. 
But deep down, is it truly their dream? I would bet money on it not being their dream. These people have just been conditioned not to believe in dreams. And their attempts to discourage us may come from a place of fear of failure. You know, who knows? But speaking of failure, why are we so afraid of it? Why does it scare us so much? Furthermore, what even defines failure? So what if we don't achieve our desired result? Why is it automatically labeled as failure? Did we learn something from the experience? Can we try again armed with new set of knowledge? Did we realize maybe it's not meant for us? Where's the failure in that? If you ask me, that's still a win. In my life, there have been countless instances where someone could have said I failed. I couldn't even count them on my fingers and toes combined. But but calling these you know um, challenges or lessons fails or failures... You know, that's someone else's judgment about my endeavors. However, for me, I learned so much on my journey. I've never given up and I couldn't be more thrilled with where I am right now. So how have I failed? I've taken leaps. I've chased, you know, dreams that I had my whole life. And they didn't quite pan out the way I wanted them to. But I learned so much along the way. So to me, that's still a win. This podcast itself is a prime example of a dream come true. Here I am, I think we're about episode 9 or 10 or thereabouts, you know. I'm engaging in conversations with amazing people or we're helping other people as well. Just imagine if I didn't dream of doing this. Without the dream, I wouldn't have the opportunity to speak to all these inspiring people and many more to come. I wouldn't have explored the UK with my beautiful partner. I wouldn't be life coaching and guiding and inspiring numerous individuals to find their passion every day and develop their plans for their own journeys. You know, it's so motivating to me. I wouldn't have taken up snowboarding at 27 or surfing at 33. I could go on. I could go on and on and on and on and on <laughs> about all the things I wouldn't have done without dreaming. All the travels, all the encounters with people from all over the globe that I've met and had the chance to interview or interviewed by or, you know, just meet. You know, I love meeting people. It's amazing. The dream has given me purpose and without it, I'd probably be lost. I would be lost. Not probably. You know, I even doubt I would have been able to lose 54 kilos without a dream. Sure, it took drive and motivation and at times even OCD-like dedication. But before all that, it was a dream. Many times I was told I wouldn't achieve it, and for years I didn't. People make comments like, you're a shift worker, you won't lose weight, or you know, told me to get uh, gastric bypass surgery, or only a select few can lose the weight you need to lose, or blah, 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 blah. Lots of limits, no dreams. Yeah. Everyone seemed to have an excuse for me, just like they have excuses why I should stop dreaming. But you know what? I did it. I did it alone, all while dreaming. <laughs> I wanted to have more fun in my life. I wanted to dream more and experience the dream for the first time, and I did. The first day I was on a board after losing my weight, I soared to a completely whole new level, and that fire just restored this childlike wonder within, and I, I am so grateful. Speaking of which, why do we lose that lack of fear and crazy Im imagination as we grow older? You know, perhaps it's because we have bills to pay, but that's not fun. <laughs> so I am happy I regained the sense of wonder because bills are boring, <laughs> straight up. I mean, we've got to pay them, but I, I love, I love life. I love people. 
I love adventures. I love everything. Yes, we have to be adults too and pay the bills, but you know it's about picking and choosing. We're allowed to be child, the children as well. So never stop having fun is what I'm saying. Look, I understand, and I'll never judge anyone for not wanting to take risks. But for me, my mindset is different. I could die tomorrow. We all could. So why let bills or you know the nine to five dictate what I do? If there's a chance I could have fun, even if it involves a risk, trust me, eating dirt on a snowboard hurts. But but there's also a chance I could have the best time of my life. So I'm going to do it. And I'm not telling you to do the same. That's just how I operate. You know, I got this tattoo on my arm of a legendary Hawaiian surfer named Eddie Aikau. And there's a saying amongst the surf culture, especially in Hawaii, that Eddie would go. And whether it was to have a ball uh, in the heaviest big waves or to help someone, you know. And that's the mantra I live my life by. Have fun and help people. I will tell you all the story of Eddie Aikau in greater detail next time, but... If you want to learn more about Eddie, check out the uh, 30 for 30 documentary on Disney, I believe it is. The Legendary Hawaiian. I swear I cry every time I watch it. And um, I'm blessed to even know part of Eddie's family now in Hawaii. Shout out to Pua. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's by far my fave. I'm, I'm, yeah. Check it out. Pehe oi, Pua. Aloha. I speak a little bit of Hawaiian and a little bit of Samoan. Just a fun fact for you guys. <laughs> now, I know not everything I talk about is for everyone, but I truly believe dreaming is. You're allowed to dream. It keeps your imagination alive. It can transport you and provide mental breaks or ignite something within you to strive for. You can create something amazing. It starts with a dream. Your life's too short. Seriously. I am immensely grateful for my dream and my story, and I will continue to dream. My dream is to continue this podcast for a very long time and help as many people find their passion as possible, regardless of their challenges. It's something I hope to achieve not only through the podcast, but through my life coaching, the blog on the website, my Instagram feeds. I want to use my energy to uplift and inspire all of you to stay passionate about driving change. The dream that the tough conversations often avoided become normalized one day. And I dream of continuing to explore the Northeast UK and the world with my incredible partner. So don't be afraid to drift off with your desires every now and then. Whether you put them into action or give them a try or not, it's normal and it's fun. One day your dream just might come true. One thing you should never do is give up. Resilience is absolutely the key to everything. So keep dreaming, everyone. Chew! Now, having said all that, first of all, I'm going to flip to the ad about my amazing sponsors, Goodrays. Second, I can't wait to show you this interview I had with the legend Matt from Birdies of the Bay about chasing his dreams. It was a great chat. So without further ado, here we go. Eww. Before we have our guest on, we'll give a quick shout out to our sponsor, the absolute legends at Good Rays. Good Rays are a CBD product here in the UK, and their drinks have the highest dose of CBD that's readily available in the UK. Literally double that of the market leader. All of their gummies, drinks, and oils are designed to help with 
sleep, anxiety, and stress. I was already using Goodray's products before they got on board as our official first sponsor, and I couldn't be more stoked to represent them. So make sure you check them out at Goodray's on Instagram, as well as in-store at Tesco, Waitrose, and Amazon. It's always good days with Goodray's. You. Alrighty, I have the pleasure to share with you guys the absolute legend, Matthew, from what I know now as The Bay and not Robert Hood's Bay. <laughs> How you doing, Matt? I'm okay. How are you? Good, mate. Good, mate. So on this episode of the podcast, um, I'm talking about being a dreamer and how, you know, some people are kind of scared to be a dreamer these days. It's like it's 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 there's such a negative connotation behind the word, and I'm trying to fix that because I think being a dreamer is amazing. And one thing that resonated well with me was your story about how you've been chasing your dreams. So here we are. I wanted to share it with the people, bro. Tell us your story. Okay. So um, going back to, uh, let's say, 2015, um, up to that point, I'd worked in the big corporate, big world, uh, big wide world of working for big companies, um, building other people's dreams um, mm. and being employed to build other people. And you're kind of on the rat race, you know, and uh, and it, it kind of sucks the life out of you because you're working 24-7 a lot of the time. Um, but it's to line somebody else's pockets to create a lifestyle which isn't really the one that you want. Um, and uh, I, I wanted to come away from that because uh, I think it, it's maybe an age thing as well. You get to a point where you, you just want to kind of do something for you. And mm. um, so I away from that, I, I, I kind of uh, moved over to the coast. I uh, I worked in a, a bank for a little while, um, which was something that I'd not done before. But, you know, I, I was also looking for an opportunity. And um, eventually, I, I lived in Robin Hood's Bay. And if you know Robin Hood's Bay, it's an amazing, gorgeous little place yeah. in the world. Uh, Robin Hood's Bay, it's kind of like an old fishing village. It's, um, you know, a land at time forgot, that kind of a place, untouched. People love it, they come for the holidays. But in terms of um, industry, in terms of jobs, in terms of work, there's not a great deal here. However, and this is where the however is, is um, is I'm a big believer that, you know, if you want to really do something and you have enough self-belief and enough faith in, in your own ability, then anything is possible. And a little a little shop, a little lock-up shop, about six metres by six metres, came up for rent. Uh, it's not very often in Robin Hood's Bay that anything does come up because people tend to run these businesses here or commercial properties purely as kind of um, a hobby rather than a, a, as an income. Mm -hmm. And uh, it came available. I just kind of thought, you know what? I'd not really planned it, um, but it came available. I had £500 cash available to buy some stock, and I paid the first month's rent, which was £320. And that's all I had, nothing else. And I just thought, you know what? There's only me that can make this work. Nobody else, me. And uh, I took the leap of faith. I agreed on the on the rent and and i went shopping to find 500 pounds worth of of quirky products and things i believed that people would like and and my uh my thought process on that was well if it's something that i like there must be other people out there that like similar things mm -hmm. so that's what i did and uh, 
opened, got the store ready, painted it and made it look quite quirky, all in dark grey and a little bit kind of rustic as well because it was just an old stone wet shop um, and uh, put a few home furnishings in there and, and a few different things, you know, made it quirky, had a few old singer sewing machines at home and yeah, opened the store. Um, first day, had to put a sign on the door saying sold out closed <laughs> gone to buy more stock see you tomorrow um and did that for the three days until i could literally keep the door open until five o'clock um and, and grew from there every penny that came out of it um i literally put straight back into buying more stock and, and in my mind i just thought well you know i know that i've got bills to pay but if i can keep trying to maybe nearly double the money that I'm putting in, then it's going to grow the business enough that then I can buy more stock and I can, can develop it into a into what what I would call a business, um, rather than it just being kind of a a hope. And um, that's what we did. And uh, and yeah, I had, had a few uh, a few different kinds of products. And then going to, to that was 2016, by the way. In June 16, we opened. In uh, March 2017, I got really really interested in. Um, in the old clothing that the fishermen used to wear and what people <laughs> that our coastlines used to wear. Because a long, long time ago in my past, when I first left art school, um, I went to work for a clothing business, a, a tailoring company that manufactured men's suits for Next, Paul Smith, House of Fraser, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I've always had a love of clothing. And um, I thought, right, I want to kind of try somehow to bring back the fishermen's Gansey jumpers, the traditional fishermen's jumpers that they wore from the late 1800s. And mm -hmm. in the past, my mum has been uh, a couple when I was a lot smaller. And uh, mm -hmm. I, I asked her if she would uh, kindly knit me one up, uh, you know, a, a new one um, that would fit me. And she started knitting it and bless her, she's in her 70s and she'd got, she's got glaucoma, she's got bad arthritis and she started knitting and she got halfway through and she just couldn't finish it. And I said, it's fine, it's okay, I'll go and get one from somewhere else, it's not a problem. And and off I went further down the coast, the last place that's knitting these in terms of commissioning ladies to knit them. Um, and there it was, I got measured up and I'm not a, a big person, five foot eight, 38 chest, size medium in most uh, items of clothing. And for my size, it, I was quoted £520, which I completely appreciated. Why? Because the amount of hours that uh, goes into knitting one of these jumpers is just incredible. Um, so it wasn't the price, really, that um, that saddened me. The, the thing that saddened me was I looked into this room and there were these ladies sat there that were at least 85, if not older. And I just kind of sat and watched for five minutes and thought, Do you know what, fast forward 15 years, and this amazing skill, this amazing piece of our history of, of British heritage will have gone because mm. they won't be here. There's no one. And I, and I came away just thinking, do you know what? I used to be involved in the manufacture of clothing many, many, many moons ago. And surely to God, there must be a way of bringing it back because I haven't forgotten how to do it. I can't sit and, and, and make something on a machine. I can't knit you a jumper. But I do understand the process from step one right through to you know, step 40 on, on, on a manufacturer of clothing. And um, so what I did is I started buying lots of books from Amazon, from eBay. I met up with local historians and had meetings. Um, I borrowed Gansey jumpers from museums. 
and really, really got stuck into learning everything I possibly could about these amazing garments. And um, I then started contacting knitwear companies in the UK because with it being British heritage, it had to be manufactured in the UK. That was a thing in my head. Absolutely. Keep it real, keep the heritage alive and keep Mm. it British. Uh, And what was ironic was when I contacted these companies, weren't interested. They thought I were nuts. You know, they thought I were mad (laughs) at my idea. Um, And... I, every phone call was no sorry we're not interested or no sorry we don't deal with small businesses or no we don't know who you are or no you're not that registered you know i all, all I, I love that people. i, I love um, that you had that hurdle because that's part of the dream you know what i mean like if your dream yeah. went smoothly everyone would do everything but it's it, it is and, and so and you know and it, what's what's funny is the more people that said no and the more people that told me i couldn't do it actually motivated me more to keep going. <laughs> i love that yeah you know because they are the only person that could stop me from reaching my goal and, and and you know in a way reaching my dream would have been me so i continued and eventually i did found a, find a little small business that maybe thought i were nuts but they wanted to <laughs> and invite see them so we we sat down we we talked through a different pro a few different processes of how we can make machinery think it's knitting a sock and so there's no seams and converting old patterns from the 1960s books onto new machinery all sorts of different things and uh, we came up eventually in the october of 2017 with um, a prototype of a robin hood's bay gansey which i can see jack you actually wearing one today (laughs) yep love mine Burgundy Bay Gansey, there you go, modelling the making. And um, <laughs> we had the Avery and the charcoal one with a matching hat available for pre-orders. And instead of £520, we thought, right, OK, well, if you go to um, a shop and you buy the yarn and you buy traditional British oiled wool, because that's what we use, then you're paying £80. That's what you're paying just for the yarn. So we thought, right, let's try and get these garments, let's get these jumpers on sale, if we can, about £120, because I wanted to make it affordable. The dream, keep the heritage alive, to keep the British Mm. heritage alive, but I wanted it to be British-made, British wool. It had to be the traditional pattern, the traditional construction of no seams, and it had to be affordable. Now, what we mean by affordable is, yeah, £120 at that point is expensive. It's not cheap. However, you know, people aspire to having something like that because that particular garment lasts a lifetime and mm. we want it in the family we want it to be handed down to people's children and their grandchildren and and keep that heritage alive so by pricing it at what we price it at then we we want to hope that it would work and and that's what we did and literally from the october of 17 it went nuts and the little lock-up shop <laughs> that you couldn't swing a cat in it, <laughs> it, it, it Literally, it, it, I mean, pardon the pun, but eventually it was bursting at the seams with clothes, <laughs> with jumpers, <laughs> with boxing, mm-hmm. and the thing of sewing machines and the overletty typewriters and the candles and the, the home decor was getting less and less and less and less. Um, and that's how it continued. We set up an online shop and, and, and you know, we set up an Instagram account. I didn't understand social media at that point. I didn't really do instagram and i couldn't get my head around why does somebody just want to look at a picture when there's no writing underneath you know it was <laughs> not, never really dealt with it before and didn't really get the concept and um, but 
that my strategy when I started the business was if I can teach myself how to do something, then I don't have to outsource that and pay somebody mm. else, to, especially while you're a small business and, you, you know, you're almost a one-man band because every little last penny that you get needs to go into growing your business. Mm. And I thought, never, ever, you know, I've never, ever really been confident on computers. Um, but I thought, what the hell? Let's learn how to build a website. So I built the website from scratch. And, you know, I mean, I feel quite embarrassed now if I remember back to what it first looked like. <laughs> uh, but it, it was a massive, massive saving compared to what it would have cost me if I'd have had to pay somebody else to do it. Um, you know, the, all the printing that we do on the little cards that you get with the garments, it's all our own, my own writing. It's my own photography. Um and everything we've we've tried to kind of keep it in house to reduce the you know the outlay um and even though we're now bigger we we still have that same thought process because that yeah. is allowing kind of keep growing um so i i tried to do everything myself um and it it really kind of worked um to the point where we got to 2019 and in the may a large shop in the heart of the village absolutely prime location came available uh two-story property looking over the king's beck absolutely beautiful building dates right back to when it was an old bakery for the village and we just thought do you know what it was a massive massive gamble probably a bigger gamble uh or, or a, a bigger step shall we say not gamble but a bigger step um that we took than what it was when i first opened the business because obviously taking on board a small shop and you kind of think well you know if it doesn't work it doesn't work and mm. and but a big store when you've got massive overhead you've got you know you have to have staff um and we did it and, and we took that leap of faith and we moved the garments down here the this store used to be a cafe so we got left with the coffee machines and everything so we had a coffee a coffee shop in half of the shop because we didn't have enough garments at that point. We had garments in the other side of the shop. And we thought, what the hell? The lease wasn't finished on the other shop, so we kept that one as home and gift as well. Oh, and yeah. at that point, it was absolutely nuts. We had 12 staff, we had two shops, we had four stockists and a cafe. That's and it unreal. was absolutely nuts. But if you've heard of the phrase, busy fool, <laughs> uh, it was very... Uh, it was hard. It was hard work because just running a cafe on its own, having to get your cakes and everything on a morning, and it's just a massive job as it, as, it, as it is. But then to have your own clothing shop and not just a clothing shop, but have the, the garments that you're physically manufacturing and having to do the size grading on and the colour dyeing and everything else, it's a massive big thing. So what we did, started to do in 2019 was look at the areas of, of what we'd got, which were really, really kind of growing. You know, the areas that were flourishing and also the areas that maybe were standing still and the things that we, we were doing on a repetitive basis that weren't kind of like adding any contribution to the business. And um, in January 2020, we decided uh, not to renew the lease on the, on the, on the homeware store, we, um, which was a great decision, which meant we, we, did, we weren't always chasing us tails, having to try and find staff all the time. So that's a massive thing over here. I know COVID's changed it for a lot of places, but over here, even pre-COVID, it's always been very difficult to get the right people that have that kind of work ethic. Um, mm. So that kind of helped us. And then funnily enough, uh, we went into lockdown in March. So we'd taken on this great big store 
um, and then gone into lockdown kind of like about six months later, um, seven months later. And uh, and at that point, it, it you kind of sit there and think, well, what, what, what do we do? You know, what do we do? Um, a lot of people I know from talking and seeing kind of what other businesses have done, kind of sat at home. Oh, God, what we're going to do? We, we, you know, we panic, panic, panic. Let's see what happens. Let's sit still. We didn't. We literally... As daft as it sounds, we set up a YouTube channel. We dressed up as smugglers and climbed into bath with wooden oars, pretending to be pirates. We did stupid <laughs> things. <laughs> we, I, media, I put a post out there saying if we get so many likes on this post, I will, I will have my hair shaved off live. So we did that. And whilst I was having my hair shaved off on live Facebook feed, I was explaining to people what a Gansey was getting more people to follow us. And on the back of all the daft things that we did and competitions and trying to kind of build an online community, um, we, we went into lockdown, I think, with 2,200 followers on Instagram and came out with over 20,000. And um, just nuts. Absolutely That's nuts. amazing. But on the back of that, what we'd done is, in a way, we'd not had problems during uh, lockdown of actually getting garments made um, but the problem started for us when we came back to work and a lot of other people on furlough. Um, and because we only use British businesses, we then had problems getting dye. We had problems getting yarn. And mm. we'd grown this great demand for the Gansey jumpers and for the other products. But yet we found then we were in a predicament where we couldn't fulfill them. Mm -hmm. So... We were kind of hounded, and when we get, when you're getting this colour back in, and when you're doing that pattern, and when you're doing this, when you're doing that, and uh, eventually in February 2022, we were notified that um, the yarns were coming back into stock. So we sent out a mail shot by email purely to our follow to our own customers, um, saying, "Look, we're going to give you guys the first opportunity to buy and pre-order your Gansey that you've been very patiently waiting for," rather than allowing people that have only just learned about us so we yeah. tried to kind of after our, our our own database and uh what we didn't expect is in a week and a half of doing that we had uh we had 3614 pre-order and i can remember <laughs> so for at home with my head in my hands thinking <laughs> oh, my god we've created a monster literally he's um, <laughs> a brilliant position to be in and we just couldn't couldn't believe it. And uh, we started then trying to find ways of, of kind of getting more garments made. We, we, we got in touch with more knitwear companies. And because we were then established, these people that had literally said to us, I'm not interested, all of a sudden were very interested. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> and so we, 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 we built some really good solid relationships with uh, with more manufacturers and got more people on board we we've we've now kind of channeled it so we've not got all, all those eggs in one basket we've got different companies making the same products so that we can kind of filter things in um and we've really kind of we spent a year behind the scenes kind of getting everything kind of set up all the foundations set up so that we can press a button and we can increase the the output you know considerably if we need to um because that's one thing that it taught us uh, in lockdown is sometimes things can kind of propel at, at, at quite mm. a speed. If you're not kind of ready for that, then it's very difficult. And um, so we did that. And, and ironically, I think I've mentioned this story to you before, Jack, um, is what what happened to me um, was after lockdown, 
Um, I've always followed um, a guy that is yes, a, a British... I was waiting for this. <laughs> and going back to in my college days, I went to art college because it was... I didn't really want to study. I just wanted to be in pub on the lash, you know, mates. And uh, <laughs> hey, I didn't work hard. I didn't want to kind of... I weren't really intellectual in, in the way that I could sit and study. I was a bit more of a hands-on person. Um, and I chose the easiest route. And I thought, well, I'll go to art college. I don't have to think It'll about that. It would still be beautiful. It would still be... Art school would be amazing, man. Art is phenomenal. Beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. So I went... Yeah, it, it was great, and, uh, and 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 it was it was fun, and and uh, what was really interesting is is every year we had to go down to London on a residential, and the art tutors used to say to us all in the class in the group, right, okay, we're going to London, but make sure when you're there, you go and visit something or check something out that is really of interest or you're passionate about, because guess what, guys, when you come back, that's what your project's going to be on. So all I was concerned about blinkered like a police horse. I just want to go to Covent Garden, the Army Gym, Nigel Caborn store, workwear, phenomenal, love it. Uh, couldn't afford any of the clothing in there, but I just appreciated it and just loved everything about it. And uh, I followed him as a him as a brand right from me kind of leaving school from being about maybe seventeen years old, and um, and yeah, so that that was kind of. And then I went into uh, clothing manufacture until I was about 24, 25. But then there were all the manufacturing um, places in the UK that tailored suits were all kind of closing. They're all going offshore. And then I sat there and thought, well, I don't want to be 25 years old and no career, career gone. So I, I changed my career in something completely different, which is another story for another time. Um, but the reason why I'm mentioning what I'm mentioning is that after lockdown, I was in the store here upstairs in, in our Robin Hood's Bay store one, one day. And this... Uh, this guy comes stumbling in with his backpack on and uh, and I, he had a, a face mask on. And I, I looked at him and I looked again and there was nobody else in. And I just thought, no, no, it, it's not. No, no, it can't be. It can't be. And they took his mask off and uh, excuse the, the French, but he was kind of like, oh, hell, wow, wow, what, what a place this is. Wow, this is incredible. Wow. Um, I've been told about you guys. Uh, down down in London by quite a few people. I've been told I've got to come and meet you. I've got to come and see you because what you're doing and what you're achieving is, is phenomenal. And uh, I said, okay, okay. He said, uh, yeah. He says, I've got my own my own clothing brand. He said, uh, you might have, uh, you might know it. He says, I'm uh, Nigel Nigel Caborn. I said, oh my God. I said, yeah, I, I do know you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for coming. Um, you know, I'm very honoured to kind of meet you. Uh, really appreciate you coming, and, uh, and yeah, welcome to Bertie's, and uh, and and I'm Matthew. He said, "Brilliant." He said, "Well, I've I've checked you out online, and and bloody bloody bloody." He said, "I've got an idea of what you do." He said, "But I want to come and meet you and, and see it for myself." Um, absolutely love your clothing, and and that was it. We we got chatting. Um, I was wearing a navy uh, smock, like a very distressed one, or indigo colour, and uh, Nigel said, um, "The smock you're wearing, where is it?" I said, what do you mean? He said, well, where is it? I said, well, we don't sell these anymore. Why not? I said, well, this particular one, I said, I call it a Matthewism because it's a colour that I I wanted to make because I, I visualised what fishermen look like in Polaroid photographs where it's kind of like really washed out blue, like with an indigo kind of sun bleached look. Mm -hmm. And it is that colour that's been kind of distressed. He says, well, I absolutely love it. Why don't you sell them? I said, well, we, nobody bought them. Nobody wanted them. 
He said, well, I love it. He said, can I try yours on? I said, well, I'm, you can't, Nigel, no, because if you try this on, you'll want to buy it. And we had a really good bit of banter, you know, a really good bit of fun. And uh, he stayed with us all day, literally all day. And uh, he showed me a, a film on the internet of what, what his garments are on, um, climbing Everest and all different things. He asked me what issues we have, having clothing manufactured in the UK. And I, I told him there's a lot of manufacturers that still won't work with us because all they want to do is they want to export 5,000 pieces to the Far East, you know, rather than making for a small independent British brand. And he asked me for a list of who they were. Um, and he said, what can I do to help you? And it was just, it was so amazing and what was really more amazing was a few weeks later these companies that weren't interested started ringing me saying oh we've been told because <laughs> we have a friend which was phenomenal um but yeah so he stayed with me all day and, and what was ironic he even said to me right we're going for lunch now and I said well I, I can't really because I'm in on my own today come on I've come up from London and right okay we'll go for lunch and and off we went to lunch and it was just a it was a really really lovely day and he finally left, I think, about three o'clock, um, and I then thought, wow, day's gone, I've got to catch up, and I, 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 I worked very hard then for a few hours to kind of try and get back to where I was, needed to be. And when I went home, um, my other half uh, said to me, how's your, how's your day been, you know, how's it gone today? I said, well, to, to be fair, <laughs> it's, it's been, it's been uh, quite surreal today, quite quite." <laughs> And I'd never really stopped to think about it until that point because I'd just been so busy. But as I was explaining, um, my partner said, just uh, just hang on one second. So are you crying? I said, no, no, I'm, I'm not crying. No, I'm not crying. God says, you're crying. You, said, are, you are. <laughs> you are. Oh, well enough, you're crying. I said, well, I've not stopped to think about it. But now that I am and I'm explaining what's happened today, I can't believe that this person that, I idolised from being 16, 17 year old today has come looking for me. That's amazing. See, this, and that, yeah. it still, still gets me now. Yeah, you know, that's... Still, that's oh, I bet. It got me. When you told me when I was in the shop, I was just like, my goodness, like this is literally what it's all about. It's just, it's phenomenal. And, you know, we have stayed friends. He's been a few times since. And, and it's just that thing of... of you know, it, that almost motivates you to another level again because you kind of think, well, you know, when, when it's your own business, it's very difficult because when you're working for somebody else, you're working for a manager or you've got a boss. And when you do something bad, then, you know, you know you're in for a bit of a kicking or you're in for a telling off. But when you do something good, if you work for a decent company, you're getting a pat on the back or you maybe get a bonus or you get somebody saying, hey, you know what, well done with that. You've done a good job there. But when you work for yourself, you don't get any of that. All mm. you get is, is you question yourself, am I doing the right thing? You know, should I be making this decision? Am I stretching myself too far? You know, you have all these kind of burning questions that nobody else can answer. So when something like that happened, it was just motivating me to another level. It then made me realise, well, do you know what? Yeah, we, we are doing a really good job. And if somebody like that can come, then wow, then literally the possibilities and what we can achieve is absolutely endless. Absolutely. And that, that, that is literally when, when we're talking about, um, about, you know, people building, building dreams. And I think I said it at the, at the beginning that if you've, if somebody's got an idea, 
you know, how, how no matter how big or how small that idea is, if you're passionate enough and you've got so much self-belief that you can make that idea into something, then you've got to do it. Because if you don't build it, then somebody else will just employ you to build theirs. Mm, that's um, that's powerful thing you did say at the start was like you were building someone else's dream. That's and that's what we're doing at the end of the day. If we're like, if we're not chasing our dream, we're building someone else's. Yeah, and and it, it's it is it's it's what I found as well is, and I'm sure we all do it is we watch these Instagram videos and we watch these YouTube videos and we watch these Facebook reels and it it, it shows you you know five steps to becoming a millionaire it shows you you know shortcuts to, to having a successful business or it shows you kind of a quick way to kind of grow your whatever it is that your empire that you're doing and none of it none of it's real you know none of it's actually real um the only thing that is real is in life you know maybe some people are lucky but in life usually you only get out of something what you put in mm. and the word is effort you know, you've got to put the effort in. And me personally, to, to, to do that, the recipe, it's, it's hard graft, it's self-belief, it's determination. But it's also when you know yourself that you have these ideas and people around you or people that hear of what you're trying to do tell you that you can't do it. Or they give you reasons why it won't work, mm. you know, and. Really, that that is the, the that that is what creates the motivation. That is what creates the determination. Because, like we've said before, the only thing that can stop you from achieving your goals and your dreams is you. You know, mm. your dreams might not end up being exactly as what you, you initially thought they would be, or maybe the dreams aren't maybe quite as high as what you anticipated, or they might be in a different different direction. But they're still dreams, and it's a journey. You know, the journey. The part of part of the, the the dream, I suppose, part of the end result is actually the journey itself of, of of you actually trying to achieve where you want to be, and that that really is the enjoyment side of it. Is, uh, is the journey? That's for me. That's more important. And like listening to you speak, I feel like I'm talking. The way you talk about the journey and dreaming and how much like it's effort. It's not easy, but it's worth doing. You know what I mean? And enjoying every day. That's that's what it's all about. It is. It's, it's. It's. I mean, people talk about work-life balance, and and I'm a big believer in in. We all go to work to earn money to live, you know. And um, somebody asked me probably about oh a couple of months ago now, and it's a customer that comes in on a regular basis, and he's a lovely, lovely guy, and and he follows our other Instagram account, which is kind of van life and and other things, and and he said, Do you know what, Matt? He says uh, he says you aren't half lucky, you. And I said, well, w what do you mean? And he said, well, he said, uh, you know, the, the, the camper van things that you do, he said, and and the business of, of how the business has grown. He said, you, you're really lucky. And I said, you know what, Mark? I said, I, I suppose I am. I said, but what's really strange, I said, is the harder I work, the luckier I seem to get. <laughs> and that, because, you know, I don't, having your own business, people sometimes just see the rewards that you get from that. But exactly. it's not easy. The journey is not an easy journey and there's nights where you sat up and you're thinking i want to i've got i, I want to pack it in i've had enough i can't do it, it this isn't me you know I, I just can't physically do this and i'm I, people people are right they've told me i can't do it and they're right and you have all these kind of questions and all these kind of things hitting you 
and you just keep going you know you just keep going and sometimes you feel that what you can see as your dream to where you currently sat in your position you might be in a nine to five job you might be sat in a job you've done for 10 years and that goal of what you'd love to do seems a thousand miles away because it is so different to what you're doing and you don't know how to get from a to z you don't know how to make that transition but What's really interesting is no matter what that journey is, no matter what that dream looks like, no matter who you are and where you are, every journey starts with a single step. That's it. Yeah. And you've got to make it. You've got that single step. You make one single step in, in that direction and then you make another step and you make another step. And every step closer, you keep going, you're getting nearer to what you want to do. And there are, it comes a time where you might be making these single steps, these small little footprints away from what you're doing every day, or you might have to continue doing what you did every day while you start doing what you what you want to do. And that's what I did when I first opened the first store, the lockup store. I employed somebody to work in it because I still had a full-time job. And I had a mortgage to pay, you know, I had bills to pay, and, and I couldn't just stop there, start there. So I had to kind of keep doing both until I felt it was viable enough for me to then move away slowly from what I, what I felt comfortable and safe with. Um, and then comes the second bit where, you know, to make that, that transition completely away from what you feel comfortable in and what you feel safe because that pays your mortgage and that pays your bills is, you know, you'll never, I suppose the, the only way I can, I can think of it is you'll never you'll never cross the sea if you don't lose sight of the shore, yeah. you know? And I love talking to you. <laughs> yeah. that is so true. You, know, you might want to reach the other side. You might want to discover new lands, but at some point, the more steps you take and the further you sail out, there's going to be a time when you lose sight behind you and there's nothing there anymore. So That's beautiful. That is hard. beautiful. Hard, but... That's where your determination and your motivation is. And that's where you just got to keep going. You know, you've got to keep going and keep believing that I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it. And eventually, surprise, surprise, you do it or you, you do, do it, you, yeah. where you're happy, you know. And and one thing I do say to people, because people bring sometimes families come in and it's lovely to talk to families and they'll have children. and They'll say, oh, my, how old's your son? Oh, he's 16 now. And he's he's just deciding what he might be wanting to do when he leaves school and and I always say to people that, well, you know, what you want to do when you leave school, it will probably change as, 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 as you grow older. However, what you've got to really think about is what makes you happy because your working life is a long, long time. And, and no matter what that looks like, if you're happy doing what you're doing, then that is a massive, massive result because that's what life's about. Life is about being happy. And if you can create that kind of work-life balance in whatever you do, you know, you, you you don't want to be living to work. You want to work to live. And that's it. That's uh, that's something I I love that saying. Live to work. Sorry, work to work to live, not live to work. It's something I tell everyone. And it, it it's funny that now um, when I look at kind of my business, um, it, it it's kind of it's getting to, it's still growing. You know, and we've gone to another level. We we have we we launched the brand into South Korea. Uh, last October, launching the brand into four stores around Tokyo in Japan in August this year, and it's crazy. We're going to have our um, we're going to have a pop up shop in a store in London um, 
in in a few months' time. So the brand is really getting recognised worldwide now. Um, but you know, we, we still kind of work the business and treat the business like we did from day one. You know, because it's precious and it's all about the heritage. But I kind of look at uh, look at the business now, and I've not created. I don't feel like I've created a job. I've mm. created a. And when my friend, um, the same guy that said, you know, you're really lucky, he said to me, Matt, what age do you think you'll retire? And my answer to that was retire from what? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a lifestyle. It's a passion. It's something that I've created. I've followed my dream and I've created, in a way, my dream. And because it's something that I love doing and I'm, I get real enjoyment out of it, it, you know, it's very stressful, but it's not a job. It's a way of life, you know? And I think if you can do that, no matter what, what your dream is, it might be. It might... We had a little bit of a technical issue there, but uh, here we are picking it back up with Maddie. I think if, if whatever, whatever you, whatever you're doing, um, if you can, if you can kind of build, build whatever you want to do around, around what you enjoy as a, as a person, then you're not kind of then thinking, oh, I've got to get up to go to work today. You know, it, it, it's not, it doesn't then feel like a job. And what you can do then is you can kind of build on that. So, for example, um, I am involved now in working alongside manufacturers to make sure that the quality is right in our products. Um, where before, because I only had one manufacturer making one product i didn't really have the same quality issues because once we'd cracked it initially then we knew that it was going to be okay yeah mm. where now because we have more than one supplier more than one manufacturer sometimes three that are making the same products we now have to make sure that the the quality between the manufacturers is right and also the size of the garments the dye the yarn the everything the same, same. So I, because of that, I spend a lot of my time now working in factories or going to have meetings or, you know, going into, into manufacturing units uh, in different areas of the UK. So I, I spend maybe three days in the, in the store. So I still come and get my fix in, in Robin Hood's Bay in terms of the, the sea, the village and everything else. Um, I still have my, my lovely fix of that. But then I am all over the place as well. But what we've created is we've created a way that, if I have to be in Wolverhampton, for example, then we might travel down in the camper van. I go into, you know, the guys who were, who were making whatever it is they're making for me for a few hours to have a look at what we're doing. Um, and then following that, we'll have like another destination where we'll go to and we'll stay overnight. and We'll make it into like a bit of a family overnight stay. Yeah. Same as if, if I go over to Burnley, if I've got something to, to go and sort in Burnley, um, yeah, I'll pop into the one of the factories in Burnley, spend a few hours there, and then jump back into the camper van and we'll head up to the Lake District for a couple of days. So we've created, you know, we, we've not only kind of created a brand and a business, but we've actually created a lifestyle. And I think that the your business, whatever you do in your job, your business and your lifestyle has to kind of be like that. It, it has to be integrated um, because that way you're getting the most out of 24 hours a day that you've got yeah exactly it doesn't feel like work like if you've got to check emails you love doing it because you know this is your baby this is your business like 
But I, I just love the whole, uh, the overall flow of the whole story. Like, I, I literally don't have to ask questions because you're talking about, you know, you were doing the nine to five chasing someone else's dream. And then you're like, you know what? Fuck this. I want to chase my own dreams. So you started chasing them. And, you know, we talked about how beautiful it was and enjoying the journey. But you also started to touch on how hard it was at times, too. So I'm sure there were times like where those haters or the doubters from the start, you kind of were like, they might be right. I might have to give up, but you didn't. You kept going, you kept pushing, and now you've got that lifestyle that you earned for at the beginning. Yeah, it, it's what's really ironic as well with with you saying there, Jack. Is when we op- when I opened this store that we're in now, the biggest store. We had a we had a party, a big, a big party, um, prior to opening, like a launch party, and we had over three hundred people that night, and we had a few clothes hung up on rails, but we're literally cleared out all the tables, everything, and we just had like a, a big a big party with a, a bar and music, live music. Yeah. And uh, we invited all the locals and, and you know, lovely people, lots of customers as well, uh, repeat customers and that kind of thing. And it was really interesting that that night um, I had a few locals that admitted and said to me that when I first opened the first little shop, the little lock-up shop halfway up the bank in 2016 – quite a few locals put money into a pot and put a bet on that it won't last over 12 months. <laughs> and <laughs> I just find it a because I just think, well, that's, that's fine. You know, thank you very much kind of thing for thinking of me in that way. However, again, things like that, it is sheer motivation. 100%. Sheer motivation. 100%. And, you know, it, it, it takes... A lot of resilience. Like there were times where you wanted to give up and stuff. Resilience is, I think, a very important trait to learn to have because I think everyone can have it when it comes to chasing your dream because life's going to get to you. You're going to get locked up with COVID. Like things are going to come at you, but you've taken every hurdle and made it something beautiful again. Like you haven't given up. You've, 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 you've kept charging and Man, it makes me happy just hearing about it from start to finish. I'm almost speechless, and that doesn't happen very often because I see my journey in everything you've said from start to finish. And one thing you said too that I loved was, you know, sometimes you're going to chase your dreams and it's not going to pan out exactly how you want it or maybe your dream that you thought was was it. You, you, You chase it and you're like, oh, actually... That's not it. It happened to me. Like I, I traced a, a, a job or career that I thought was going to be my dream job. And it turned out to be the complete opposite. But, you know, rather than getting emotional or upset about it, I was like, all right, cool. What did I learn? Yeah. What can I take from that situation and move on and chase my real dream? Yeah. I think we learn, every, everybody, you know, if we, if we kind of look into things um, deep enough that, Whatever job you might be doing now, whatever job you've done in the past, even things that you've done and you've, you've been really unhappy. Um, I mean, I, I've worked in a call centre for general house insurance and I hated every single day. Um, and in some jobs where I've, I've thought I've got, to, I've got to stay here for six months because of my CV, you know, I, I can't keep skipping from job to job. So I've got to stay here for six months. And I can remember going home the first day and, and in tears, I hated it. But I remember back now, and I, I kind of think I've taken something from every little thing I've done, mm. and um, and you know you, sometimes you don't realise that you have until you get to a point where you think, hang on a minute, I know how to do that, or I'm sure I've done something like that before. 
And all these things kind of then come together to give you the skill set and to give you the tools that you might need to do something in the future that you've not even thought about. And um, I can remember sat on a sofa back in 2000 and, and this is very true, in two, that would have been 2012, no, 2011 actually, because I moved to Whitby in 2012, moved over this way. So it was before I came over here and I was so unhappy in doing the job I was doing previously because I'd worked in an industry for 17 years that literally sucked the, the, the life out of you. They didn't want you to work five days a week. They wanted you to work seven days a week. OK, and 60 percent of my salary was based, sh sheer, sh you know, completely 60 percent on commission. So it was very, very, very difficult, um, very pressurized. And I can remember sitting on the sofa on my first day off. I'd, have, I'd had off for over three weeks and I had my boss on the phone asking me to go in. And I just sat, came off the phone and I just thought, you know what, I am better than this. I don't know what. It is. I don't know what I can do, and I haven't got a clue where to start. I haven't. I don't even know what to do or how to start. But I'm. I'm better than this. I'm better than doing what I'm doing now. I want better. I want more for my life, and I, I, so I completely understand where a lot of people are, where they're very frustrated, they're very unhappy, but they don't know what that next step is. And like you've just explained there, Jack, that that you followed a dream and you realise that really wasn't the dream that you you want it so then mm. but you took from that to then follow another dream which turned out to be the dream that you wanted so i think what we're trying to say here um is is you've just got to have the balls to actually try step. something yeah balls and you don't try it you'll never know you know you can't regret something that you've not tried um and sometimes life is like that you know you you, you, you have an idea and it maybe isn't what you really thought or it doesn't come to fruition. And that doesn't mean to say that that you, you failed, you know. Failure is only when you stop trying. Exactly. So literally that's it. Failure is only when you stop trying. And some number, you know, number one might not work. So we do number two. And if number two don't work, we take from number one and number two and we do number three. And, and, it, and, gets, and it almost gets easier and easier. Not like not necessarily the like taking the chance gets easier, but the ability to be like, I'm having a go. I'm having, I'm shooting my shot every single time. It gets easier to do it because the fear, like you said, um, um, you'd you'd rather regret like taking a shot rather than not taking a shot. Like yeah. the fear, fear for me now is like I'd I'd regret more not having a crack than I would having a crack and it not panning out. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, you're right as well. I mean, it, it's. When you, when you have ideas now and you've kind of taken that leap and you've taken it a few times, you don't really have any fear of of, of making decisions or, or, or trying things because you've already kind of done that and mm. you've done it a few times. So like you say, it does become easier. Um, but one thing that I do feel is really important to tell people uh, and to put out there for people that are wanting to follow the dreams is 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 don't give up too easily, you know, because it's so easy. Right, well, I'm doing number one, but it's not giving me enough money, so I'm going to stop doing number one. I'm going to do number two now, and now I'm going to do number three. And I think the reason why we've got to remember that's important is because to get money out of what you're doing, you can't expect to kind of just start something and six months later you're going to be wandering around with a lot more money in your pocket, you know. You've got to kind of – you've got to put everything in 
and keep putting everything in for it to actually grow to a point where you can then start drip feeding money out. And I mean, the business now for us, um, started the business in 2016. We're now in 2023. So it's been going seven years. And for the first five years, I didn't take a penny out of it, you know? So you've got to kind of have that mindset that, it does take quite a while before you kind of wave the flag and say, no, no, this didn't work. I'm going to go on to number two. You know, it's about having that. You've got to kind of really, really work hard at what you do. And 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 it almost kind of that journey, sometimes whatever you're doing, it'll find its own way. It'll snake, it'll, it'll, mm. you know, and judging it back on course to what you think that course should be. Then it may be the journey ends up in a different destination to what you expect you know um but yeah i think it's uh, that's just one important thing for people to know is it is Absolutely. not easy and it's that comes not... that comes back to that self-belief you said you had like you you got to believe yourself and that that's going to stop you from giving up so early as well because you're like all right that didn't quite yeah. pan out but i still got something that's going to be beautiful i'm gonna still keep going yeah and and also the the dreams that people have you know it for some people it might be I want a big house and I want I want a, a small holding. I want some animals, you know. It might, for somebody else, it might be, I want to be able to move abroad. I want to live in a country, you know, of my choice. For somebody else, it might be, I just want to feel more comfortable and have more time with my children, you know. It might well be that I want to create a, a business whereby I'm only having to work two days a week or I can work from home because I've got small children. It might be I want to go and work at the other side of the world. It, all, all these different dreams, you know. It might mm. be purely I want to work towards affording a certain car or a certain whatever it is. And everybody's got different different motivations. Everybody's got different aspirations. And um, I think that one one thing that really is important is Whatever your dreams are, it might be that car, it might be that house, it might be that holiday, it might be that thing. Focus on that and reach that. And if you if you do follow your dreams and you and you achieve your dreams, set another one. You know, absolutely. Set another because the thing is, is you need to keep motivated, you need to keep driven, you need to keep kind of moving forward. And uh, and, and and I think that's a really important thing because. If you keep moving forward and you keep motivated, then it keeps you, it keeps it from becoming stagnant and thinking, well, I've done it now. I'm all right. Because the world constantly moves. Yep. So with the world continuously moving, you've got to keep continuously moving. And then dreams and then goals change. But again, we're talking about the journey, aren't we, to getting there. And that's what keeps yeah. the journey alive. And still enjoy the journey and like changing, moving the goalpost after you kick a goal is super important. It's part of, it's, it's, it's what helped me lose a lot of weight. Like I lost 50 kilos and I didn't come in set to lose 50 kilos. I was like, man, I want to lose five. I lost five. And then I'm like, I'll lose another five. And then I was like, oh, maybe I can lose 10. And I kept, I kept moving the goalpost. Like you said, like, wow. and that was, that was a hard journey too. And that was a different dream. Like we're talking about dreams and, yeah. You know, one one thing I'm learning now too as I'm doing my life coaching is we're actually all capable of achieving all these things we want to achieve and we're all capable of problem solving them ourselves as well. Just sometimes you need a little bit of a push. Yeah, absolutely. We, we, we all need to feel that we're not on a zone, you know, and that we're not the only person that's going through what we're going through. 
And that is so important that, and, and I, I say to a lot of people that, um, you know, that I see start businesses up. Uh, I mean, what one thing I will tell you, and you must think I'm nuts here, but there's a guy that started his own business in, um, with a, he bought an old horse box, um, painted it black, set up gourmet burgers, tastes absolutely superb, great little Instagram, goes and parks at Sands End. And I saw it a couple of times and I just thought, you know what, there's not many people around this neck of the woods that kind of takes that chance, you know, takes that step. Mm. And because I saw he'd taken this step, I waited to see this little va- this little thing pull up. And I got out and I went and, and knocked on the, the door and I said, oh, I said, can I speak to the owner? And, I, and he, he probably thought I was going to complain about something. <laughs> there's a hair <laughs> in my burger. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <He caught that. laughs> and uh, and, I, and I just said to him uh, I said do you own the business I said yeah yeah I said well look I said uh, you might think I'm nuts but I've just come to say to you well done you know that's good for beautiful you. and I'm really really as a, a local business owner myself I'm really proud that you've taken the leap to do this I said because your Instagram looks great your little trail looks great I said I'm gonna have a burger while I'm here I've got to have a burger I said but <laughs> You know, well done you and stick at it because, you know, it's brilliant what you're doing. And I just thought, you know, I remembered back to how I felt when I first started. And sometimes we're guilty of having these thoughts that, hey, that's that's good, but not actually following through with a compliment. We're very quick as human beings to complain about things when something's not right. And nowadays with social media, moan and groan and everything else. But (laughs) don't pat people on the back enough to say, Hey, do you know what? Great result. What what a lovely thing you've done. Oh, that's brilliant. You know, stick at it. And it it was really ironic, actually, because I said this to him and he said, oh, he says, thank you very much. And then he said, I've actually got one of your jackets. He said, you've converted. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not come for that. You know, I'm not yeah. for that say well done um but yeah it just it really nice and, and and i do do that if i see somebody that's 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 set up or you know and i, I think that is really important as like you like you said your life coaching is you know people need that pat on the back they need to be kind of motivated and they need to be told you know hey you know keep going keep going keep following that that journey you know um so yeah yeah that, that that's that's really important yeah absolutely I, I love it too. And you know what that kind of brings me back to your website. And there's something that I loved on your website because listening to you speak and people are going to like interpret things however they want listening to it and watching it on YouTube and stuff. But believe me when I say Matt is genuine. Everything he said is beautiful. And if you go into the store, Birdie's at Robin Hood's Bay and have a chat to him, you're going to see it yourself. And his vibe is super infectious. And that's why on your website it says, um, we want people to come in as our customers, but a year later come back as our friends. And that meant I, I know you mean it when you write it because of the way you talk to people and about people. Yeah, it it, it is. It's uh, is. I didn't want to create just a clothing brand. I wanted to create a community. Yes. And, uh, you know, I want I want this to be somewhere people can come. They can they can talk. They can learn. They can kind of share experiences you know, talk and learn about what each other's doing. And we, we've kind of got that to a certain degree now. And, and we have a lot of, uh, if you look at like we have a lot of customers that that model our, our products. And we even get that <laughs> now from some customers saying, I've just bought your latest jacket. Can you please put mine on before you put a picture of Mark with it on? <laughs> and, 
customers have actually got to know each other and become friends through buying products from our store. That's special. It, for me, that that you know that that's just it's such a blessing to see that, and it, it's I feel so proud that that customers and people people come and want to be part of what we're doing, and and that in itself is is really a dream that I've achieved. It is creating that. It's so lovely to see, and it's so lovely to meet people like yourself and like other people that have all these great positive vibes and 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 want to do good things. You know, because that's what life's about. We we only get one opportunity one chance and let's together let, let let's make it the best chance that we, we can you know i love it i love it. I, I honestly i could chat to you all day I, I love talking about dreaming in general but listening to someone who's just as passionate as myself it makes me very happy but one thing i did want to do before we like finish everything and that and wrap it up as I did want to talk specifically about the Gandhi because I didn't know nothing about them when I come here as well. So, you know, chasing a dream, talking about the Gandhi, explain more about, you know, the patterns and the wool and just everything about them. Okay, so Gansies, um the Gan Fisherman's Gansey jumpers have been around since the late 1800s. And uh, um, back in the day, um, local fishermen would uh, and farmers would shear the sheep um, the wives and some of the fishermen, when they weren't out at sea, would then knit the jumpers to wear to keep them warm whilst living on the coastlines and whilst out at sea. Now then, because, um, well, what they, what they found was um, by leaving the oil in the jumper, in the wool, so the lanolin, which comes off the sheep's skin, by leaving that in the wool, when they wear the jumper, it means that it repels water and it keeps the heat in. So you never wash them. So you never, ever wash a Gansey because the oiled content, you don't want to get rid of that and uh, also shrink as well. But that's what keeps you warm. They're also knitted with no seams. So they're knitted with circular needles like a sock. And the reason for that is because it, well, it keeps the shape of the jumper better, but it also keeps the water out as well. So that's another uh, very, very special um, characteristic of a Gansey. They, they tend to be shorter on the sleeves. So they didn't wear watches in the 1800s, but if they did, the sleeve would start from where the watch finishes there. And the reason for that, they didn't want to get hooks caught and be pulled overboard. And if you're wet, you're cold. So it was a short sleeve known as a working sleeve with the gusset knitted under the armpit to give you the movement with it being a working jumper. There you go. You can see the gusset. <laughs> what makes them incredibly special is there was no DNA testing back in the late 1800s. Um, and they realized that if they knitted a different pattern from a different place, when the sailors and fishermen got washed overboard and were mangled and then washed up, the bodies were most of the time unrecognizable. So by having a different pattern, they could tell where that fisherman or sailor had sailed Whoa, out of. Oh, I didn't you didn't tell me that last time. There you go. That's so crazy. what used to ship that body then back to that port that the fisherman or sailor had sailed out of, and then the local families that had lost a loved one, whether it be a husband, a brother, a father, would then go to the port, look at the mangled body, and maybe find something on that body that would recognise so they knew it was their son or their relative. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it, it sends goose pimples down your back. It's really yeah. kind of like... But the history is just absolutely incredible. And, um, I mean, I've got one I will show you very, very quickly. <laughs> So, this one here 
this is a Whitby Gansey, so it's different this one, Jack, to what you're wearing. You're wearing a Robin Hood's Bay Gansey. Yeah, but on this, I can't see it. Yeah. So Whitby had eight motifs which were recognised um, by Whitby fishermen, and this particular Whitby Gansey has got four of the most popular motifs. Now, what the motifs are is is each individual um, okay. stick the pattern, yeah? yeah. So on yours, you've got cable and you've got moss stitch. Yeah. So on yours, you've got cable and moss stitch. The, the cable is the ship rope and the moss stitch is designed to look like the sea. So that's what them two motifs mean. Now, with the Whitby one, you've got the cable, which is ship rope. You've got the moss stitch like yours, Jack, which is your sea spray, the sea. Yeah. But you've also got on here, you've got 199 steps up to Whitby Abbey. Ah. And You've got the old-fashioned Scottish flags because Scottish settlers moved down to Whitby to fish for herring. Wives worked on the fish key, gutting fish, and were known as the Silver Darlings or the Herring Girls when you read back through history. So these uh, motifs which make up the Whitby pattern all symbolise different things which belong to Whitby. Now, with this one being so intricate, a plain section was knitted on the bottom so that when the fisherman or sailor was working at the side of the boat like this. This is the area that would rub while they were collecting the fish and gutting fish. So by knitting a plain section, it was easier then to repair when it got worn rather than trying to mend an intricate ah. section. Gansey sleeves, you can see the little gusset there that gives you the movement. But the Gansey sleeves were always knitted plain from at least the elbow down. And the reason for that is when they were handed down through families, through generations, they used to unravel the sleeve and then re-knit on a new sleeve before handing it down and giving it to the son or, you know, grandson. Wow. So that is kind of an example of how a pattern works. Um, and we do three patterns. We do the Robin Hood's Bay one, which we call Bay Gansey, because the Robin Hood bit was just invented for tourism. <laughs> so, Jack, you've got the Bay Gansey on. I've shown you the Whitby, and then we also do one from Stades as well, or as the locals down there call it Steers, um, which is like half plain and half moss stitch, which is, I guess, what if you closed your eyes and uh, and said to somebody, close your eyes and think of a fisherman's jumper, that's the, what you would vis visualise is the Stades one. So, yeah, so we do three patterns, um, which are all kind of local to this area, but the word Gansey started, uh, we believe it's a Gaelic word, but it started in Cornwall, worked all the way up the East Coast, over um, to the Netherlands. Netherlands were massive on Gansies. Back over to Scotland, over the Hebrides, across to Ireland and finished in Liverpool area. So it, it, it's a word that's been used for many, many years throughout the UK or around the UK. But it's a slang word as well in lots of parts of the UK with grandparents where they'll see, oh, I'm a bit cold, passes, passes me Gansey. And so it's been a slang word for just a, a knitted cardigan or jumper. Um, but the true meaning and, and what's behind it is what I've just explained. Yeah, that's beautiful. See, when I came in, I, I I didn't read it as Gansey. I read it as Guernsey. I don't know why, but in Australia, we call like a football jumper as a Guernsey, like yeah, well, a, a sports uniform. Well, in Guernsey, in, in the island of Guernsey, they have a, their own pattern, which is known as a Guernsey jumper. There you go. <laughs> there's, there's his plane. And it's got like detail around the shoulder area. So you can actually go and buy a, Gan a Guernsey from Guernsey or you can buy a Guernsey in the UK. because It's like a nautical jumper knitted from the same wool. Um, so, a yeah. Guernsey from, a Guernsey from Guernsey. <laughs> a Guernsey from Guernsey and a Guernsey from here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so there you go.
Yeah, I yeah. love it, man. And like I said, we could chat all day, but I want people to actually head down to the store, uh, Birdies of the Bay at Robin Hood's Bay. And if you haven't been to Robin Hood's Bay, you're missing out. So first of all, go there just for the area, but pop in and say yeah. hello to Matthew. And I'm sure like I've learned more now that I didn't know last time again already. So it, every time you go in, it's going to be a whole new experience. And don't forget to say hello to his mother because she's beautiful as well. I met her the first time I went down there as well. She's still uh, that, kicking. So, yeah, no, good. Uh, one thing I'll just mention to anybody that is has uh, kindly been uh, watching or listening is, uh, is yeah, we are in Robin Hood's Bay. Uh, it's Bertie's Off Bay. If you can't get down to Robin Hood's Bay, we are online. So it's www.bertiesofbay.co.uk. And um, if you have social media, please, please, please follow us on Instagram um, or Facebook. Um, it's simply Berties of Bay, spelled B-E-R-T-I-E-S of Bay. And you'll find us, support us on there. And also by following us on social media, you'll also get um, a few glances of any exciting new products we're working on. So hopefully we'll uh, we'll see you in there and uh, and meet you in the flesh when you come and visit. Yeah, I, I urge people you have to head down. And like Maddie said, these are these are jumpers, Gansey. Sorry, that you can pass down generations. So definitely worth getting in, and they look good as well. So <laughs> certainly do. You're looking good, Jack. You're looking good. <laughs> I think what my missus used the word before. Uh, uh, I I can't even remember. It was a British word, but I'm sorry. <laughs> I look gra graft, daft? Not daft. Daft is silly, isn't it? You look grand? I don't know. That'll do. <laughs> anyway, thanks for having a chat today, Maddie. It was a pleasure, as always, and I can't wait to come down the store. I've, I've got to get... My partner wants to whip me one, and I'm going to get some T-shirts as well because I know you guys have some summer stuff too. We do, yeah. We have all sorts of – we have Breton shirts in now, 100% cotton. We have, um, I think, five colours in the T-shirts, which are really, really cool. They get more vintage, more you wash them, really good colours. Uh, we've got a new deckhand jacket in, a cotton jacket for the summer. Um, this is a brand-new product which I'm wearing. This has not been on any social media yet. I've not dared put it on because this thing is going to go absolutely nuts. It's based on what the Polar Explorers used to wear when they uh, conquered Antarctica. Um, so this one is coming soon, getting them made in July, and I will be putting a few sneak previews on. But, yeah, this is a whole new product. So I yeah, reckon I need to get my hands on one of the first ones. I reckon that this, this, just for the podcast and just for all this that we're doing, I reckon let's make that happen. <laughs> 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 all right brother i appreciate you man thanks for taking the time out and keep doing what you're doing chasing your dream i love to see it there you have it what a chat legend maddie he's such a great bloke and i, I seriously urge you all not just to go on the website and buy clothes because his stuff is phenomenal so do that for sure but also if you can head into robin hood's bay and check out the store and actually have a chat with him because he is one of the most genuine humans and loves to chat so Definitely head down, check it out, support local, and yeah, keep supporting the dream. That's what we're all here to do, support each other's dreams, because that's what makes it all worthwhile in the end. Now, in the spirit of the dream, and just chasing everyone's dreams, and the, the dream that is life, man, I'm, I'm privileged now to share with you my last fortnight, because my last fortnight was absolutely phenomenal. 
I turned 34, I had my birthday, 18th of June, and I couldn't ask for a better way to spend it. I headed off to France with the family, the in-laws, and um, I just had such a beautiful time, man. You know, the south of France is a wonderful part of the world. The Not only the scenery is beautiful, like the ocean and the hills and the wineries, but I got to spend it with family, and, you know, family is very, very close to me. I love family, so to be surrounded by beautiful people and learning about French culture, and I even started to learn about wine, and I'm not exactly a sommelier or a wine connoisseur or anything like that, but I'm G'd up to actually want to do a course now because that was amazing. I learned a lot about it, you know, the different scents, the different regions, the different sea level heights, all impact the grape, and wine's tasty and also drinking it is fun so <laughs> that was absolutely unreal and i got to visit a couple of michelin star restaurants and that was a whole nother experience it's it's just you know my, my instagram i talked about it on one of my reels and i just love the power of food it doesn't have to be a michelin star restaurant it's just food in general how much it brings people together you know and it's funny because like engaging in such a conversation after a meal at a Michelin star restaurant, it's 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 interesting. You watch everyone have a bit more to say about what they're eating. Um, I guess you could say people critique it a lot more because there's a certain level of expectation that comes with having a Michelin star. But the conversations are just, they're very different to if you were to go sit down at a pub or something, you know, and you're not going to all sit there and talk about each bite. So... I really found it interesting listening to everyone's opinions of the food. I loved it. I had a ball. And yeah, I'm so blessed. <laughs> what a beautiful family. What a beautiful time. And it was sunny the whole time. And waking up every morning, have a coffee and a croissant. It was just, ah, man, it was special. So thank you so much to my beautiful partner and her family. And, and how welcoming and amazing they are. That was truly, truly, truly a special birthday. So thank you so much. And the, the French culture, man, is so cool. Headed up to St. Paul de Vence and checked out such an arty little town and or village or, you know, castle, whatever you want to call it. it was so much, I've never seen so much art before. That was amazing. I love seeing all the different pieces, different styles of art. It was just a whole cultural experience. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I am truly blessed. Um... What else did we do the fortnight? It's hard to remember because I had so much fun in France. <laughs> we had a ball, staying in the pool and just, oh man, I could go on. It was so beautiful. Um, we watched The Flash. You know, that was pretty cool. I get what people are saying about the CGI, but I didn't mind that film. So if you haven't checked it out and you like DC movies, I think you should check it out. Don't compare it to Marvel movies. I do it too often. I compare it to Marvel, but I think Marvel owned the game, so... That's just my opinion, though. <laughs> As we were getting ready to head off to France, I don't think we did too much exploring. You know, we went to Zimologist, like we always do in Thornton the Dale. Beautiful food, beautiful people, beautiful ambience. Um, but yeah, we didn't do too much exploring northeast of the UK, North Yorkshire. We just uh, stayed ready for France. And uh, yeah, picked up some French. Bonjour, merci beaucoup, merci beaucoup. <laughs> inside joke <laughs> but no I had a blessed time chasing my dream living my life and 
you know, everything we go through in life, trust me, guys, it gets better. Man, I'm so blessed for everything I've been through. It taught me a lot, and I'm here just living the dream. And Yes, I couldn't be more thankful. So thank you, everyone, past, present, and future in my life. You all are the best. Moving forward, I have a little bit of news with the podcast. Um, usually the start of the podcast, you know, where I talk about the dream or uh, the light and the dark and all this stuff. They're actually blogs that I put up on my website, bordiesandbeanies.com. And I've loved doing it. It's been fun. But I have someone who's going to be writing the blogs now that I'm going to collaborate with on all the information. And it's going to be a little bit more of a discussion. So I'll extend on it when I record the episodes and stuff. But I'm extremely blessed to have a phenomenally intelligent individual that I get to call my fiance and soon-to-be wife with a PhD, Dr. Rajab is going to be now writing all the blogs for the website and that's what we're going to start the podcast with the blog so i'll collaborate with her and i'm really excited to do that that's going to be a lot of fun you know we already have so many amazing conversations together you know whether it be over a meal or just sitting down chilling it's just it's so fun that we pick each other's brains the way we do i i i you know, I'm, literally this whole episode for me is about being thankful. So um, the living part anyway. So I'm so thankful for her and the way she pushes and challenges me. And I really look forward to collaborating with, with collaborating. Yes, collaborating with her more moving forward on the podcast. That's enough for me for this week, uh, this fortnight. Can't wait to drop the video to the interview with Maddie on YouTube in a week's time. Uh, and then another fun episode in a fortnight. So stay tuned. You know, Keep chasing your dream. You are beautiful. Your life's beautiful. If you want to see more of the podcast or if you want to watch old episodes, obviously subscribe. I would love anyone, if any of you can follow me on Instagram at Boardies and Beanies. You know, that's just a bit more of a travel Instagram as well as uh, promoting the podcast. But then I've also got my life coaching instagram um, at lost in living life coaching we're on youtube with all the interviews uh, at boardies and beanies facebook as well boardies and beanies and then yeah like i said earlier the website boardiesandbeanies.com so if you need to spell it it's b-o-a-r-d-i-e-s-n-b-e-a-n-i-e-s.com and yeah, boardies and beanies for everything else. If you could like, share, follow, subscribe, comment, save, all the good stuff. It goes a long way to helping the podcast and everything grow because that's what we want to do. We want to keep helping people. So thank you so much. If you want to be on the podcast, hit me up through any of the social medias. Um, we can have a chat and see what you're about and definitely share your story because I love sharing stories. Thanks for another amazing fortnight. Until we see you guys next fortnight, I hope you have a great one. I hope you enjoyed the first half of your year, and here's to a beautiful second half of the year.